Let us pray. Father in heaven, who at the baptism of Jesus in the, in the river Jordan proclaimed him, your beloved son, and anointed him with the Holy Spirit, grant that all who are baptized in his name may keep the covenant they have made with you and boldly confess him as Lord and Savior, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God in glory everlasting. Amen. <clears throat> so, I have heard of young mothers having difficulty finding time to be alone, away from their children, so much so that they find it even difficult to go for a bathroom break. Without the calling of their name, they're being followed perhaps into the bathroom or the fingers under the doors. And as and I, you know, how much can I relate to that? I had I had that old dog, and she would follow me everywhere. So I, I get I get a sense of that, but uh, probably not to the degree a, a a mother just would like to be away for just just a few minutes. And this, which I think is a strange lead-in, but that's what I think is a great lead-in because that's what the disciples and Jesus are going to experience in this passage that we're going to look, look at here. So in, in Luke 9, 10 through 17, it's the feeding of the 5,000. But <clears throat> to begin with, we have to understand what's going on. And as we enter this passage, it's that same kind of thing, where as a mother trying to just have a couple minutes to herself, the disciples and Jesus were hoping to have just a little time to themselves. So last week, we talked about the sending out of the disciples, and this was their maiden voyage and Jesus gave them power. They, he had equipped them with power and strength to go and preach the kingdom and heal. So that is what they had been doing. They returned. Now this is where we are today. They returned and they told him all these things that they had done. But in the process, as they had spread the news of the kingdom, so they're, they're to be out and inviting people into the kingdom. They're telling them about the kingdom has come. There's a place where you can find safety, a place you can find rest a place you can find healing, and they have, were overwhelmed by this response because they offered it. People are interested in entering the kingdom. People do need rest. So as they have come back to Jesus and they've told him all that's happening, they're having a difficult time just even eating. They, they're, they're being peopled to death. People are everywhere. So after they'd poured themselves out, what else do they have to give? So Jesus recommends... What we need to do is, is go away for a little bit. And so the first thing we see is a warranted rest interrupted. So we'll begin in verse 10. And it says, On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done. And he took them and withdrew apart, withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. And when the crowds learned it, they followed him. And he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Now, in Mark's account of this same um, passage, or the, the same story, Mark says, in Mark six thirty-one and 32, it says, And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going. They had no leisure even to, even to eat. And they went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. That first page was very handy. So, where they had carried the gospel to these people and they invited them into the kingdom, this overwhelming response is there. And then they're being this, like, peopled to death, uh, so much so that they couldn't even eat. And uh, so 
Jesus said, okay, let's go to the north part of the lake, to this desolate place. So it's a place that's probably near Bethsaida, but probably not in the town of. And there's uh, an account here that it says this was a desolate place. And so by um, description, they would have been about four miles sailing, and it would have been about eight miles up around the uh, banks. And so as the boat sets off, then the people see it, and they start running along the banks to follow wherever they're going to land. <laughs> and uh, they, they, couldn't, they, they needed this time alone. I think Jesus' prescription of, you know, you need some time to rest. It, all, it makes sense. They'd been pouring themselves out. They needed rest. And this was his prescription. So uh, he, he heads off, and he has a place in mind. But all these people, you know, so they probably arrived somewhat before the crowd, but the crowd's catching up. The, you're not outrunning the crowd. They, they, they get there. And I'm thinking, if it were me, I'd feel a little robbed of my whatever, my me time or my time with the master, my time to tell him what we've been doing. When now we're away from people, I have the opportunity to talk to you. So when these people start coming and they're, 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 they're looking for rest and rejuvenation, and they, they're going to get a rejuvenation, but it's going to be of a different kind. It's not what they expect. And so this, this respite that they were hoping for is interrupted. And, you know, I'm telling you what I would probably think. I'm, I'm thinking I would feel a little robbed, and I'd like, you know, uh, why don't you people just leave us alone for a little bit? But verse 11, Jesus welcomed them. Wouldn't that be just like Jesus? And wouldn't that be just like me? I'm aggravated. Y'all are bothering me. And Jesus has what a, a different attitude. He welcomes them. And then what does he do? Well, he tells them about the kingdom. What has Jesus been doing? Jesus tells about the kingdom, and he heals what did he tell them to do? He told them to go and tell about the kingdom and heal. So these people come, the crowd comes, interrupted this respite, this warranted rest is interrupted, and he welcomes them and then heals any who had a need. This is the beauty of Jesus, always giving of himself. When we have no more to give, he's willing to give. Which leads us into the next Point, which is the end of human ability. So verse 12 says, Now the day began to wear away, and the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. But he, but he said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. And then in another account, it talks about if we even had this much money, we couldn't buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men, and he said to his disciples, have them sit down in the groups of 50 each. So by one account, somebody figures that it gets dark about 6 o'clock, and so if the day is wearing away, it's it's getting toward evening, the shadows are getting long, so say it's 4.30-ish. I think it's interesting that the commentator picked 4.30. It's not 4, it's not 4.15, but probably about 4.30. Whatever, the, the, the day is, is, is uh, you know, fading away. It's going to be dark soon, and, this, and, and people are getting hungry. So there's a, there's a human need that can't be ignored. So Jesus is not just about the proclamation of the kingdom and the miraculous healing. 
there's a very practical need which Jesus is going to provide for. This part where it says, And the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowds away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. It's always struck me just a little odd that the disciples seem to be telling Jesus what to do. Now, Jesus, I'm sure, I'm sure he needed their help. Did he not recognize that they were in a desolate place? Did he not recognize this massive crowd and how many people they had or what limited resources they had? Were these disciples, like, kindly offering Jesus some wise counsel or good advice? I don't, I don't think that was it. I think this was rude. Perhaps the empowerment and their ability to minister had gone to their head. But what we see in this, in this, um, in this scene is they were giving Jesus directive. They are telling Jesus what to do. That's what I've always found a little odd. As you're reading along, then the disciples came to him and said, send the crowds away. Now, this is, this is our English translation, but it is a directive. He's tell, they are telling him what he should do. If uh, our service would have unfolded like I expected it to, we would have sung a song that had these lyrics. Who has given counsel to the Lord? Who can question any of his words? Who can teach the one who knows all things? Who can fathom all his wondrous deeds? I mean, that's the position. We have this holy God, and they are willing to tell him what he should do. They're focused on their lack. They, and, and I wish this was a story only about them. The fact that they knew their limited resources, they knew the, that they didn't have enough to feed them, and their hospitality and them feeding them wasn't in the mix. It just wasn't in their mind. But at this point, they've been traveling with Jesus for like over a year. Now, they have never seen a situation come up that he couldn't handle. Yet, at this point, they seem to not know who he is still. And of all the American, he's been, he's brought people, people, multiple people, back to life from death. He has performed some Wow kind of miracles. But here in this setting, they're surveying the land and saying, in the natural, we see no way to help with this, so we don't know what to do, so let's give Jesus some orders. They didn't really trust his mighty power. So are you like me in saying, I wish that story was only about them? I wish, I wish that story was about those disciples prior to Acts and the giving of the Holy Spirit, we're on this side of the cross with the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't it be nice if that story was still just about them? Because we're so much better equipped, we know and understand and believe the power that Jesus has. Therefore, we are far more advanced than these ignorant disciples who yet hadn't yet been equipped with the Holy Spirit. We don't doubt Jesus. We don't doubt Jesus' power. We don't doubt who he is. We don't assess things in error and then give Jesus orders and telling him how it is he needs to help us. Don't you wish that were true? Unfortunately, you know as well as I do, that's not true. This story is not just about them. This story brings out our weaknesses. It shows us who we are. It shows us that 
Yes, we do this very thing. We have, have, you, have you had answered prayers? Have you seen the Lord work? Have you seen the Lord provide in miraculous ways for your needs? Yet somehow we get still in a position where all we can assess is our lack and our ignorance of how we're going to make it happen. So we then take matters into our own hands, as is the historic history of the people of God. We'll take the matters into our own hands, and then we tell Jesus what he should do. Who has given counsel to the Lord? Who can question any of his words? Who can teach the one who knows all things? Who can fathom all his wondrous deeds? Our problem is that we don't trust him. We don't trust his word as we should. Jesus, in this full of grace, so he was full of grace with the, if I'm the following disciple, I want him to rebuke the crowds and say, people, back off, give these boys a chance to rest. But he didn't, and he welcomed them, and he loved them. He operated with grace where I would not have operated with grace. But in these disciples' ignorance, in your ignorance, in our ignorance, I'll I'll throw myself in there with you, yes, in our ignorance, when we've told Jesus what to do, what does he do? He doesn't rebuke them, but he gives them a demonstration, an illustration of who he is and his mighty power, his mighty power to provide and demonstrate who he is. Verse 13 says, but he said to them, you give them something to eat. And the, and the structure of the sentence in the Greek, it's stressed about this you. It's you give them something to eat, which I think is a fantastic response. You know, Jesus, send these people away, get them out so that they can go find lodging and food because the day's getting late and we're in a desolate place. And his response is, you give them something to eat. Of course, their response is, we, we have nothing. We have these five loaves, we have two fish. But then he tells them to sit down and, you know, okay, tell the people to sit down. It was in an instant. So they, they had come from being haughty, the know-it-alls, those proud people, to tell Jesus what to do. And in an instant, when he says, you, give them something to eat, they were brought from this high and haughty place, below and humbled. Recognizing that the, they, limited, they were limited in what they were able to provide. And, and I, the, the speed with which they turn is, is kind of amazing, and how he does this. It was within seconds. You know, they're, they're haughty enough to give the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, directives. I guess they expected him to follow it. But in that instance where he says, you give them something to eat, they're brought low, they see the end of themselves, and now they're ready because they see the end of themselves. Now they're ready for him to act. They're ready for him to equip them to do what he has assigned. They had to recognize their own need and their own inability to provide out of their own strength. They were humbled before the Lord. The, the end of human ability is the beginning of dependency on the Lord. The end of human ability is the beginning of dependence on the Lord. If, 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 if we are proud, if we are um, stubborn, to, and we live in a great place, and all of my life was a teaching of, you know, yes, do it. Pick, pick yourself up and do it. Bear, bear, you know, grin and bear it. You, you just tough it out and you do it. So the, coming to the end of myself is a difficult challenge. Now, reality, now that I've been walking with the Lord for whatever it's been, 20 whatever years, 
I give up more readily than I used to, but I'm still like stubborn. I, I've told you before, I wish that sanctification was just like justification, and it really was instantaneous, and I wouldn't still be a jerk, but I am. So the Lord has much still work to do in me. I wish that weren't the case, and I wish that I were not the stubborn one who, who had to learn that I really need to come to the end of myself to rely on him. And in this, it, it can be, it's an interesting thing, because he has equipped you, like, to be self-sustaining, to go and get a job and provide for yourself and your family and what have you. And, you. and you do do that. But how often do we readily minister out of our own strength to fulfill his command of going and spreading the kingdom? To go and tell others about the kingdom. How often do you operate out of your own strength and not wait on him? The only reason that they even had these five loaves and the two fishes is because some boy had them with him. That's what John records of the same account. And that's not a lot of food to feed 5,000, but that was enough for Jesus to do something with. So the next thing we see is a creative provision. Verse 16 says, And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. So in this passage, we have illustrated for us the beautiful sufficiency of Christ. This is a great illustration of the self-revelation of Christ through yet another creation account. And I've been in situations, and I think as we were doing our Meal with Jesus study, I I told you about one account where I was uh, in a class and people had some rationalization of how they could possibly feed all these people, and then there would be these 12 baskets at the end. And I'll not, I'll not describe that exactly, but, but somebody had a theory to explain away the miracles. Because when we can't handle the miracles, we've got to come up with a theory to explain them away. Because the, the miraculous doesn't fit with our scientific model that we've been trained in. And so now we've got to do something with that. But, you know, all things were created for him and by him. So, if he's the agent of creation... And he really was with, you know, this thing that Jesus, we, we just had Christmas and people think that, okay, it's, it's then that he came. He was eternally pre-existent. He was one with the Father. So when the Father was creating, when the Father spoke and it, and it happened in creation, Jesus was there as well. So Jesus, Jesus is the agent of creation. So the reality here of him dividing fishes and loaves, how hard would that be for us to believe? If we could believe Genesis 1, could it be that difficult for us to believe? Luke 9. Jesus gave these disciples instructions, told them to set them in groups of 50s, and they did. And and in this process, as he was giving them instructions and telling them to feed him, it revealed their own adequacies. He does this to us as well. He, He will give us a task to complete, which is greater than our ability. Now, we hear all the time, we hear all the time, God will not give you any more than you can bear. And if you all know where that is in the Bible, share it with me. I've never read it. I don't understand it. And it's not my experience. And it's not this story. He gave them more than they could handle. Why would he do that? And don't we cry. Why would you do this, Lord? You've asked me to do this. I felt confident. I could talk about church planting in Parkersburg as an instance for me in my testimony. I feel confident that you've told me this. I've had confirmation by this and this and this. 
I'm not running on my own strength. So, Lord, why would you make it difficult? Why are you giving me something greater to do than, and I'm not really able to do that? Well, he does this to grow us in maturity so that we still we grow in our dependency on him so that we learn who he is so that we grow from that non-trust of him and who he is and his word to trust in him and who he is and his word alexander mclaren said the best preparation of his servants for their work in the world is the discovery that their own stores are small so what they have in their reserves is very small that's the that's the beauty of his workers in the kingdom, is to recognize they don't have much to offer. So it's in this process that he grows us and that he uh, is sufficient in all things. And we grow to understand and believe that and rely on him. It's only then that when we come to the end of our own ability that we are ready to be empowered by him. Now you remember that Herod was confused as to who this Jesus was and all these things that he's doing. And, and these the stories, they really do go together, and we have them broken apart. And, and if you're using your ESV like I do, we have these uh, man-made headings then that separate the paragraphs, and it tells us, it gives us these subheadings about what this is about. But it really is a flow of thought here. <clears throat> and so there's this concern and confusion of who Jesus is. We're in this passage of the feeding of the 5,000. We thought this was about feeding people, but no, it's really about the confusion of who Jesus is and his power. So... Before, right before this one, Herod is confused. And then the people are confused. They think perhaps he's John the Baptist, or perhaps he's a, 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 an old uh, prophet who has come back to life. It's in this passage with Jesus taking these five loaves and two fish, and he blessed them and, and, and asked the Father his blessing on this. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and set before the crowd. That's what it says. And he broke the loaves and fish and gave them to the disciples. And he broke the loaves and fishes and gave them to the disciples. And he broke the loaves and gave them, and, and gave them to the disciples. And, and, and so on, and so on, and so on. He continued breaking the loaves and fish. Out of his hands are the, is, is this mighty creative power. This God in the flesh who sometimes flexes his muscles. And those attributes which he has checked as he has come to dwell among us, Sometimes he exercises and he says, here you go, here you go, here you go, here you go. It would have been an amazing scene to see out of his hands, which look just like our human hands, to create and create and create more bread, more fish, more bread, more fish. And he continued giving it to the disciples. He was creating, he had that creative power going on right there. So much so. Verse 17 says, And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. So the, the Lord's provision brings contentment. Now, we, we know this, and this seems very simple, and especially if we're talking really only about food. The Lord's provision brings contentment. But that's not all the Lord's doing here. They ate and were satisfied. They'd eat, eaten all they needed. Jesus provided enough for these 5,000-ish men, then a bunch of women and children. So what's the number? I don't know. Was it 15,000? I don't know. It's big. But out of his creative power, he provided until they were satisfied as they feasted on him. This demonstrates that 
Christ is sufficient for all of our needs of life. This is taking place at the time of the Passover. They're remembering about how that, that God rescued them out of Egypt. They remembered, and that's what this Passover feast is about. They're going to go back to the unleavened bread. And they're going to be remembering how they ate unleavened bread and they were ready to hustle as they left Egypt. They're going to recount that story. So that's what's going on here. And at the same time, Jesus is introducing a new Passover, a new exodus, a new exodus, not from Egypt, but from sin, not from the slavery of Egypt, but from the slavery of sin. And then in John 6, he tells the crowds that he is the bread of life. He is what is to be fe- they are to feed on. He is this that supplies their every need. He is sufficient to redeem us from the snares of the evil one and deliver us from the punishment of sin as he would die upon the cross. And he's saying to them, I am the bread of life. John 6, many people will point to as a communion passage. I I don't really think it's a communion passage. I think we're way before communion time. I don't think he's working on sacraments. I think he's saying, eat on me, feast on me. I will satisfy you. Like the manna from old, I will satisfy you. I am the bread of heaven. I am the bread of life. He is what we have to have life. He's sufficient not only to bring us and and bring satisfaction and contentment into this concept of salvation and bringing us out of sin, but he's also sufficient in our living through the ordinary means of grace. And it's not an exciting topic. And through, through the ordinary means of grace, we feast on Christ. And we are pointed to Christ. The church, as it practices the ordinary means of grace. So we read the scriptures. We hear them preached. We receive communion. We practice the sacraments. And this, these, these things are not flashy But if we say these things are old-fashioned, let's do away with them. Then what we will need is another sacrament to take their place. Maybe it would take the form of a bell. Or maybe it would take the form of a smoke machine. But we're visual people. We need signs and symbols. The Lord knew that. He made us that way. Then he gave them to us. And if we're not careful and we reject those, we need to find something else to replace him with. And they don't work as effectively. He has instituted the sacraments so that as we participate in those things, we feast on him. And then we're finding our satisfaction in him. We're finding our contentment in him. So this is, is this a story about 5,000 hungry men? No. The 5,000 hungry men happen to be a part of the story. The story is about in his miraculous provision and And in doing so, he's revealing who he is so that we feast on him. This is the end of his Galilean ministry, and he's going to to soon set his face toward Jerusalem and to the cross. What a beautiful way to end this ministry in that region so that he's proclaiming through his acts, words, and deeds his all-supreme sufficiency that he is what is needed to be feasted on. So for us, will you 
look to His hands, which generate endless provision to satisfy you in your salvation and in your life instead of relying on your own efforts. Look to Him, the only one who can give you rest. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray.